0: The fantastic new ABC series Abbott Elementary is a workplace sitcom set at a severely underfunded Philadelphia public school. In a very true-to-life way, the teachers are dedicated but burnt out as they strive to make do with their limited resources and a hilariously incompetent
1: principal. The show was created by the very funny Quinta Brunson, who stars as an optimistic second grade teacher determined to improve the school's conditions for both her students and her colleagues. I'm Stephen Thompson.
0: And I'm Aisha Harris. And today we're talking about Abbott Elementary on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Here with me and Stephen is writer Kiana Fitzgerald. Welcome back, Kiana. Thank you. Hey, y'all. Hey. (laughs) So... Abbott Elementary is a mockumentary, so a film crew is following teachers at an underfunded public school in Philadelphia. The show's creator, Quinta Brunson, plays Janine Teagues, a second-grade teacher with much of the positivity and determination of, say, a Leslie Nope. Now, she and her colleague Jacob, played by Chris Perfetti, are two of only three teachers from their cohort to have made it past their second year. Janine puts in a lot of effort trying to fix issues around the school and procure basic necessities like a rug for her students to sit on. But she's mostly dismissed by her older, more jaded colleagues like Barbara, played by Shirley Ralph, and Melissa, played by Lisa and Walter. She faces an uphill battle in her efforts thanks to the bungling, self-absorbed principal played with Zania Plum by Janelle James. And there's also Gregory, a new young substitute teacher and potential love interest, on the scene. He's played by Tyler James Williams. Now, uh, (laughs) let's hear what we all have to say about this. I think we are all pretty much in agreement that it's quite fun. But Kiana, what are your
2: initial thoughts on Abbott Elementary? Absolutely. Um, So upon seeing the pilot, I was just like, fingers crossed. Like, I love this show. I want it to go on as long as possible. It's so refreshing. It's such a smart show. And um, I'm just excited to see it develop over time. It's just wholesome. And... It's a great respite for me because... A lot of the shows that I watch give me massive anxiety, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this show does not. Like, there are some peaks and valleys here and there where it seems like things are going to go in the wrong direction, but ultimately things are resolved generally by the end of the episode, which is very lovely. So, yeah, I just I think it's contemporary. I think it's authentic. I think it's convincing. Um, I love that they involve TikTok in some uh, in one of the episodes, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so like relevant. So, yeah, I think it's a really uh, well put together show.
0: Yeah, I mean, it feels like a testament to how good this show is. The fact that these are serious issues, like issues that are very much a problem, especially if this is not set in a pandemic world, but like the fact that we are living that in real life, these issues around funding and who gets to have the better education and who's Mm -hmm. allowed to have the resources that they need. All of those are very front and center here, but it's done in a very sort of lighthearted way that I think works For the show and makes it easy to follow, yet also still bringing those issues to the forefront. So that's doing a really good job with that. Steven, what are your thoughts on this show?
1: Oh my gosh! (laughs) First of all, people ask me all the time. I've already seen Schitt's Creek. I've already seen Parks and Recreation. I've already seen The Office. I've already seen you know all the like feel good bingeable comedies that have a slight undercurrent of bittersweetness and Mm -hmm. give me a recommendation. Give me something else like that. Abbott Elementary is the answer (laughs) to that (laughs) query. This is right in that pocket, right in that zone of there are moments of it that are so sweet and so earned and so heartfelt. And at the same time, the jokes really come along at a lovely pace. There are so many jokes that are just looks that characters are giving, Mm -hmm. that all these actors are doing so well, characters are very finely calibrated. And you can tell that as it goes along, we've seen five episodes of this show, and it's already progressing really rapidly in quality and character development by the time you get, really, episode two. Each character is like, man, if this character were 10% more like this, it would be, I wouldn't enjoy this character as much. Like, the principal is incompetent, but not hateful. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's still funny, even though she's a terrible boss. Right. <laughs> uh, you, Jacob, this sort of doofy for lack of a better word, woke, you know, <laughs> co- colleague, is very much playing a type. But, like, the line that he's walking and the line that they're walking with that character is very, very fine. That character could be so annoying. That character could easily be not as likable as he is.
2: Hey, do you want
0: cheesesteaks from the corner store for lunch today?
1: Uh, not, not from there. The guy behind the counter, he calls me white boy
0: well, it's like a term of endearment. And like if you don't like it, just ask me to stop.
1: No way. There's an entire chapter on white fragility on that, okay? Robin DeAndre. There's just a ton of that kind of very, very finely calibrated comedy, which is really in part a testament to this wonderful cast. They just put together a great, great cast. And we'll talk We'll talk about some of our favorites, but I have so <laughs> many favorites. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm glad you said that about the characterization because I think It's really hard for a comedy, especially, to stick the landing in the pilot. The pilot is usually, you always go into it a little bit concerned and not sure what to expect. Even if you love, already are familiar with the performers behind it and the talent behind it. You know, you can think of so many examples of shows that, like, it took them a while to figure out, whether it's Community or Parks and Rec, which, like, basically the whole first season of Parks and Rec, it was just very counter to what the rest of that show was. The Office, too. And The Office, yeah. Especially for me, what I really appreciate about this show is that there is sort of like with hacks. there's this generational divide. You know, you have the Janine character who very much looks up to the Barbara character played by Cheryl Lee Ralph, and Barbara's a vet. She's been at the school for years, and she's kind of got this not defeatist, well, sort of a defeatist attitude that's also like, but I'm going to help these kids anyway. So she's like not a mean old lady, but she is very much like I've been here for years and nothing has changed. I'm just going to do the best that I can. Well, Janine is like, no, we can do better.
2: Yeah, but I saw your kids painting with empty watercolors. It's our job. Our job is to build them up, make them confident. Is it nice to have stuff? Sure. But my students do not need to feel less than because they do not have stuff. So we talk about what they do have, not about what they don't.
0: And I love that dynamic they have together because... It's very rare, first of all, to see two Black women in this Mm -hmm. position, even though this occurs all the time in real life, especially in these kinds of environments. A lot of times in these schools, it's a lot of Black women running, like trying to run the show or trying to make things work. And so seeing that dynamic between them, I think, is just so great. And they have so much chemistry. And I'm really excited to see how that keeps going. What do you think of the way in which, you know, we've talked about how this is very Much about a serious subject, you know. How do you think it handles these specific things? In one episode, for instance, the Janine character spends most of the episode trying to fix a light in the hallway instead mm-hmm. of like actually teaching her kids. And how do you feel that this show is trying to do a service to what it means to be a teacher while also still being funny?
2: Yeah, I feel like, um, the show has an excellent balance already of um, striking that you know, that nuanced approach to, okay, this is a very um, prevalent and sometimes depressing topic. We've either been in these situations ourselves, or we know people who have been in these situations, um, the students who just need more, more attention, more time, more resources. So in this particular episode, with the light that Janine is continually trying to fix um i was like this is so realistic but also at the same time there are these um these approaches from the other characters as we've been saying who all bring a light to the situation and they don't ultimately just drive her into the ground they're like we're here to support you but you gotta you gotta chill a little bit janine what did you do looking like who shot john barbara look i know you told me to let it go but i couldn't jacob help me open the breaker
1: it was a chance to support a strong black woman. The
2: great And I think that's um the crux of Janine's issue is that she is so overzealous and so excitable. And um I love it because it's I can see this happening in any workplace. The new person coming in, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, wanting to change the world. And it's like, you got to scale that back and realize what's actually going to happen in reality. So um, yeah, I think the show is doing a really good job of making us see the reality of the
1: situation while also helping us to kind of escape at the same time. The the whole fixing a light thing is a perfect example of the way that this show is able to set up This environment where there's tension, but also support. Mm. At the same time that it's setting up this undercurrent of sweetness, it's also able to do a lot of physical comedy, right? Like, she's standing on a ladder trying to fix this light. She's afraid of standing on ladders.
0: If someone could please help me, I feel like I'm one wobble away
2: from death.
1: All right. Okay. Okay. I got you. Hi. We're good. Give me a hand. Take your time. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Am I doing it? No. Let's go take Kelly count of three. I don't particularly like standing on a ladder. I'm feeling her the entire time she's standing on the ladder <laughs> as people are, like, grabbing the ladder supportively and it's freaking her out. Like, it's just able, there are just a bunch of different plates spinning comedically in this show and it keeps them all moving.
0: Yeah. There are going to be those who say, well, we've seen this. And even I have gotten a little weary of the mockumentary style it feels like it can be a crutch sometimes and it doesn't necessarily, not all of these situations necessarily lend itself to this. But when I think about the way in which this does seem like the perfect environment to do this mockumentary style, it kind of reminded me in a way, not a complete one-to-one comparison, but to the Steve James miniseries, America to Me, that came out a few years ago, where you know he was following around these students at a suburban school. That is a very different situation because it was a very well-funded school, but that dealt with race and class in a way that this show is also doing. So to know that like, this feels very real in many ways but is also taking it and kind of spitting it on its head i love that now i think we need to talk about ava obviously (laughs) because we've seen this before the bumbling boss who we've said it she's incompetent in many ways she's also very self-absorbed and and everything she does is mostly for her to look good but like what about her makes her different or just makes her a very very fresh spin on this very old trope.
2: Oh, man. (laughs) I feel like I know her, you know? (laughs) Like, I feel like she's somebody that I've met before, a family member, um, (laughs) you know, a friend, whatever. Um, I feel like I just have this close, intimate, like, understanding of what she's trying to do, but she's not quite crossing the T's and dotting the I's exactly. I don't think there's been a moment yet that she's actually done something for the benefit of the school, like, of her own volition. I think it's kind of been forced upon her. The thing about it, though, is the actor Janelle James, she's bringing so much to this character. Like, she is funny. She's uh, a bit too much when it comes to her relationship with Gregory. Um, (laughs) There are are so many elements that she's able to play with. And I feel like that's why I love this character because she just brings a new life to, like you said, the trope of the bumbling incompetent boss.
0: Well, now that you say that, I want to play a clip of Ava. And this is a scene between Ava and Janine Janine wanted to try and raise money for supplies for the school. And so Ava decides to make a video (laughs) starring Barbara, but without Barbara knowing that she (laughs) has made this video where she's pretending to be Barbara doing voiceover and saying like, I teach at this poor school, and I need all the resources we can get. And Janine is like, this is not what I meant by trying (laughs) trying to raise money. So here's their back and forth. It's zingery. It's full of bangers. You get the sense of who Ava is and how sort of self-involved she really is. So let's hear a clip here.
2: Why are you worried about Barbara Howard seeing this? She's the most aggressively offline person I've ever met. She responded to my paperless post with her ATM code. But you know who will see it? everybody else (laughs) and how does this have so many views already this is crazy i said this is what i do i feel like you went to the plexus surgery for a nose job and woke up like why do i look different why does it say (laughs) 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 hey
0: i i love everything about that dynamic and there's like so many things about her which to your point kiana i've known this person and those people in real life are not fun to be around especially (laughs) if they have any sort of power but here it's just kind of perfect you know, we're, we've we only seen a few episodes so far, but do you have a favorite character who you are hoping you're excited to see where they take this? We already talked about Ava, but like who else are we excited to see like become their full true Abbott El- Elementary selves?
2: So my favorite so far is kind of a side character and someone who isn't in the school and it's Tariq. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who is Janine's boyfriend played by Zach Fox and... um. I've been uh, a fan of Zach Fox's comedy slash music slash whatever he likes to do for a while. And I was just so excited to see him. And, you know, he plays this rapper. And, of course, I'm a big <laughs> hip-hop person. So I was like, oh, my God, I know this guy. Like, this person is, like, <laughs> oh my- so on brand. I'll be home kind of late tonight because I got a show. I sold out the King's Lounge. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. You. thank you maybe i could come oh no no no! you can't come because they got a strict capacity thing oh. and it's 15 people so if you come then it's 16 and then it's a fire hazard i'm excited to see how things play out between him and janine and how things might mix up with gregory so yeah he's um one of my favorite characters that's uh not quite at the forefront but is doing a lot for me
1: yeah, if you if you remember The Office, he's the Roy. <laughs> but I want to call out a, a really, so far, very minor character, which is the character of Mr. Johnson, played by William Stanford Davis. The janitor? Yes. The janitor.
0: Yes. <laughs> who's
1: just, right now, so far, he's just weird. Yeah. We have no idea how weird that character is going to get, but I have a feeling that character is going to get weirder and weirder.
0: <laughs> I'm a big fan of the janitor as well. <laughs> I agree with you. I was also very happy to see Lisa and Walter, who, mm-hmm. who plays Melissa. And as soon as it starts, was like, she looks so familiar. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, that's Chessie from Parent Trap. <laughs> yes. Like, mind blown. And I'm sure I've seen her in other things since then. But it was just a flashback to my childhood, and she's just so strong here. She's Mm -hmm. kind of playing in these, like, Italian stereotypes in a way, but I think the show is showing that she's going to be a little bit more than that, and she has, like, an interesting storyline with the Jacob Hill character, um, the Mm -hmm. Chris Perfetti character. So I'm—this whole ensemble is just so great. Already! You know, I want to—also just want to ask about this show. We also have Grand Crew, which is another show I love, you know, about a bunch of Black friends in L.A., And we have the end of Insecure. And I feel like we're in this moment now where we are talking a lot about Black America on TV. Obviously, we have Atlanta coming back soon. So we have sort of this, like, wealth of different types of shows coming out. And I'm curious to know, like, what does a show like this say about sort of where we might be heading when it comes to Black
2: presence on screen? It's incredibly exciting. I'm um, just thrilled that Quinta has a real shot at longevity and um, producing something that will have like cultural impact because, you know, I've been following her since her, he got money, you know, clips (laughs) on Instagram and her Millie rocking across the world in a GIF and everything. So it's really cool to see someone that I consider in some ways a peer, but also someone that I very much look up to ascend in the way that she is. This show is coming at a time where I feel like there are gaps to be filled and it's not necessarily asking to be put into Insecure's place or put Mm -hmm. into any other show's place. It's bringing its own style, its own delivery. It's just beautiful to see because it's not your traditional like quote-unquote, Black show, you know, that uh, would have aired in maybe the 90s or something like that. It's very unique and very relatable and easy to to digest and understand. So I feel like that's something that um, anybody um, from any walk of life could really get into the show and enjoy it.
1: Yeah, there's just still such a vacuum and still so many opportunities to be seized. And it just speaks to how many brilliant creators are out there who haven't necessarily gotten this shot yet. And if some of those creators are finally getting a shot and this is what we're getting out of it, I'm really, really excited about what this portends because I'll take 10 more of this show, please. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I feel really good about this moment that we're in between Insecure even being able to have five full seasons and end the way they wanted to end it. And then on top of this, you have this, you have Southside, you have... Mm. There's a lot of different things happening and they don't all feel the same, which is to me the biggest like sense of progress is like all of these shows feel very different, even whether they're comedy or drama, they are tapping into something very specific and, It makes me very, very happy and excited. (laughs) Same. Well, we obviously love this show a lot, and we encourage everyone to check it out. It is airing on ABC and also streaming on Hulu. And when you do check it out, tell us what you think about Abbott Elementary. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. And up next, what's making us happy this week? Pro-Palestinian protests have
2: popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent, when that couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been
0: a Minute from NPR.
1: I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln?
2: There are a lot of issues on voters' minds right now. Six big ones could help decide the election guns, reproductive rights, immigration, the economy, health care, and the wars overseas. On the Consider This podcast from NPR, we will unpack the debates on these issues and what's at stake. You can listen to NPR's Consider This wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Now it's time for our favorite segment of this week and every week, What's Making
1: Us Happy. Stephen, let's start with you. Well, what is making me happy is a piece of fascinating cultural anthropology on Substack. It is called The Onion 20 Years Later. And a writer named James Da Silva goes back through The Onion's archives, which are a dumpster fire in terms of how they're being stored and preserved on The Onion's website, so it involves a certain amount of digging to even find what he's looking for. But basically, this guy, James De Silva, goes back, looks at old issues of The Onion, and doesn't just review them, doesn't just talk about which jokes do and don't work, but talks about how comedy has evolved, talks about how readers' perspectives have evolved, talk about which stories f- still feel relevant and which ones don't and why. And so it's not only an opportunity to revisit visit these old issues of the onion which are of course very near and dear to my heart because I worked there but they're really fascinating pieces of cultural anthropology and you know it's it's not just for comedy nerds or onion nerds. It's just a really interesting look at life 20 years ago and how things have and haven't evolved. And it's built around some really smart, astute commentary and criticism. So I I highly recommend it. It's on Substack. We'll put a link in the newsletter. uh, But it's called The Onion 20 Years Later.
2: Thank you very much, Steven. Kiana, what is making you happy? Sure. So I also have um, a Substack that I have been following for a while, but um, it's called Shuffle Synchronicities, and it's produced by Dave Cowell. Cowan, who um, I kind of came across because I live with bipolar disorder. He lives with bipolar disorder and he came Uh, to find some of my writing. And we just kind of have been keeping in touch since then. So um, yeah, he has this sub stack where he basically shuffles songs and figures out how they synchronize with his life. And it's something that um, whenever I am in the midst of a manic episode, um, I just feel like every song is speaking to me. And he's kind of taking a play on that and making it a little less serious, a little less heavy. So um, he's someone that uh, is a great writer and he has great taste in music. So if you're interested in a Shuffle Synchronicity, check it out on Substack. Nice. Thank you very much, Kiana. That sounds really cool.
0: Thank you. So I am very much a real world type of person. I've watched many seasons, some of them multiple times. And so what's actually making me happy kind of gives me a throwback to that. And it is the new-ish Netflix series, 20-somethings Austin. So basically you have eight young 20-somethings. They're all moving to Austin. They all have to like go out and find jobs of their own. It's not like they're assigned a job. They also separate the men and the women into two different houses that are connected to one another. <laughs> and this is a very diverse cast. You have uh, a couple of Latinos, two Black people, and then a South Asian woman, and a couple of white people. And so my favorite characters are Kiki and Natalie. And Kiki, he's gay and he's from Arkansas and he is coming into his own. He's never even kissed anyone when he comes on the show. And so it's he's like the sweetest, cutest young man who's like still trying to find himself. And it's just a very much a Gen Z, Cusper millennial show where there isn't a lot of drama It's just mostly talking about our feelings. And when there is drama, everyone's very self-aware and can talk about their feelings. So I'm just really enjoying the real world of today with Gen Z. (laughs) That's 20-something's Austin on Netflix and that is what is making me happy this week. Uh, if you want to find links for what we recommended, plus some more recommendations, you can subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash popculturenewsletter. And that brings us to the end of our show. You can find all of us on Twitter. Find me at CraftingMyStyle. Follow Stephen at IDislikeSteven. And you can follow Kiana at kianafits. You can also follow editor Jessica Reedy at Jessica underscore Reedy. Producers Candace Lim at the Candace Lim and Ramel Wood at Blurgisphere. And you can follow producer Mike Katzif at Mike Katzif. That's K-A-T-Z-I-F. Mike's band Hello, Come In provides music you're bobbing your head to right now. And thanks to everyone for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. We'll see you all next week.
1: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Stearns & Foster. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted for irresistible comfort with indulgent memory foam and ultra-conforming IntelliCoils for your most comfortable sleep. Learn more at stearnsandfoster.com. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Betterment. The drama of having an enemy-turned-lover is never chill, but your investing portfolio should be. Betterment is the investing app that lets you be totally chill about your finances. Their automated tech makes it easy to get in the market and stay in the market. Save the drama for that moment when you realize your mortal enemy is actually your soulmate. Betterment. Be invested. And totally chill. Learn more at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. When the economic news gets to be a bit much. Listen to The
0: Indicator from Planet Money. We're here for you, like your friends, trying to figure out all the most confusing parts. One story, one idea, every day. All in
2: 10 minutes or less.
1: The Indicator from Planet Money. Your friendly economic sidekick.
2: From NPR.